Right, let's go back. Let's talk about that wonderful performance from Israel Adesanya. Second round knockout against Alex Pereira yesterday at UFC 287. Joining us on the programme out of the United States is Nolan King. Nolan is all things UFC, a journalist, podcaster, broadcaster. Afternoon to you, Nolan. Welcome. Hey, good morning. I appreciate you uh, having me back on. Oh, look, mate, this country is buzzing. That Israel Adesanya result over Alex Pereira, one of the great moments in New Zealand sport, and I would imagine one of the great moments in the UFC. Yeah, it was a really special moment. You know, I think there's so many MMA events now and, and between all the different promotions, and sometimes you get desensitized to these really big moments when they happen. That When they happen, it's so jarring, so you know, shocking, a shocker to the system. And that was the way I felt last night with Israel Adesanya. I mean, that was just such a beautiful performance by him. I think um, to, to go out there, to come back, maybe when the spot, you know, he wasn't the champion, to come back and kind of avenge uh, his loss and, and finally get that revenge in the rivalry against Alex Pereira. And just the way that he did it, too. I mean, uh, kind of out of nowhere with the momentum seemingly swinging in Alex's favor. And there was just a lot of things that lined up from the performance to the highlight to the celebration to the interview afterwards to just, Kind of him finally, I think, getting that respect that he might undeservingly lost when he lost his title back in November. Uh, I don't want to say people were writing him off, but I think a lot of people were maybe questioning his spot as, as clearly the best middleweight and, and a star in the sport. And I feel like he erased all those doubters last night, man. That was just a really special MMA moment. Yeah, I, I wonder too whether with Israel Adesanya, because at times maybe he doesn't knock opponents out, sometimes he tends to win sort of unanimous decisions that perhaps that's gone against him a little bit. But, um, he, but you know, wins a win. It's about intelligence, isn't it? It's about understanding your opponent and what you need to do to win the fight. Yeah, 100%. And I think we always talked before Israel had lost the title in November, we always talked about how he needed a signature win because he had these really smart performances where he was beating guys pretty soundly when you, when you looked at the scorecards, but when you looked at the performance as a whole, it seemed to a lot of people, especially outside observers, that he was just kind of edging. You know, he was just a little one half a step ahead of somebody that he was fighting. And we know in MMA that's not the case, that styles make fights and guys have different ways of winning. I mean, George St. Pierre wasn't a finishing machine and he's one of the greatest of all time, um, which is, again, I think why that win last night was so special because I think a lot of us were expecting if Israel did beat Alex Pereira, it would be kind of his typical smart point fighting, technical, technically sound, maybe not the most exciting performance. And he went out there and not only did he win, which is what a lot of people were just focusing on, who's going to win. He went out there and found that knockout in potentially the biggest spot with his back up against the wall more than ever before of his career. Um, so that really made that special. That was the signature win that he was looking for. And um, just the fact that he had a, a rival in Alex Pereira to have that history with and, and to, to really just put on a solid rivalry that all in all, even though he lost that fight in November, I feel like he's a bigger star now after last night than he's ever been before. Yeah, I want to ask you that because just, I mean, there's a lot of bravado from both fighters coming in. There's a lot of talk. Uh, they do come across as if they're sort of absolutely bulletproof. Um, but I'd imagine the pressure internally must be huge. I mean, let's be honest, Israel Adesanya's reputation for the reasons you've just mentioned previously was on the line here. I mean, try and give our listeners some sort of sense of just the pressure on these fighters. Yeah, I mean, MMA is just such a fickle, what have you done for me now sort of sport. We see guys that are legends lose one fight, two fights, and then everybody thinks that they're going to be done for the rest of their career. And I think 
maybe that was that was true early on in, in the MMA day, in UFC days where um, you know guys would kind of just hit the peak of the mountain and then go right back down the other side. But now you're starting to see some fighters uh, kind of later in their careers kind of have these weird resurgences, win titles. And really, I think a lot of it has to do with the mental side of the sport, being able to work through these things, believing in yourself when nobody else does. I mean, the confidence to get in there with uh, some of the other baddest men on the planet and, and take them on in a fist fight, there's a certain level of confidence that you need to even get that far. But then to have to stay there for so long when, when there's all these rocky moments in your career is a really difficult thing to do. And I think Israel Adesanya went back to the drawing board he didn't get distracted, and I think he went in there with the right mindset for this fight. We saw uh, a little bit of a different Israel in the lead-up to this with the media day, with the way he handled things. He was all business, in and out. It seems like he was less caught up in the rivalry and the trilogy and the you know bad blood and all that stuff, and he was more focused on going out there and just putting on a beastly performance, going, on, uh, going out there and knocking Alex Pereira's block off, and that's exactly what he did. Mm. Okay, are we likely to see... Alex Pereira, Israel Adesanya, three? Um, you know, I would have thought so. I would have thought it was a layup. Personally, I think the consumer could watch that fight 50 times and still be delighted with each performance. But according to UFC President Dana White last night at the uh, the post-fight news conference, he said that Alex Pereira, if he, if he had to guess, he thinks Pereira is going to move up to 205 pounds. Um, Pereira's never missed weight, but he has uh, kind of been one of those guys in the last few fights where you're getting towards the end of the weigh-in window, and you're kind of like, man, like, is you know, where's Pereira? And if you see him in person, I mean, Israel's a big dude, but Pereira is just his frame so much bigger. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Dana throwing that out there into the universe, like that's some, he has some background knowledge that maybe that's what Pereira had told him behind the scenes or something. So I would love to see it. I hope we see it, um, but it seems like everybody's kind of pointing at 205 for Alex Pereira next, which we haven't heard that from him yet. So I guess we'll have to wait for that. In losing that fight, does it suggest perhaps here that Alex Pereira maybe has a little bit of a glass jaw? It's tough. You know, I think he's had so many fights. Um, last night wasn't the first time, um, you know, that he had he had suffered a loss via strikes in, in combat sports. So um, he's been able to bounce back. I think the thing with him is I don't think necessarily he's used to getting hit as much um, just because he's such a good striker. Um, so to have somebody with Israel's kickboxing ability be able to test it, I mean, maybe that's more of a true read than we would get elsewhere. Um, but to me, I, I think with with chins and MMA, it's really it's such an intangible, and, and weight cut does contribute to it. So perhaps maybe that's part of Pereira's thought too. He's, he's dehydrating himself too much and not feeling like himself. So that could obviously uh, not be as much of an issue if he goes up to 205. Mm, okay. Let's look at the other co-main event, the welterweight between uh, Burns and Masvidal. What did you make of this? Was that the right decision? And where to now for Gilbert Burns? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely the right decision. I think that fight kind of played out the way that we had expected. I think it was a bit, uh, I don't want to call it a placeholder fight, but I think it was, a, uh, it was a way for the UFC to, you know, keep Gilbert Burns active while the welterweight title picture figured itself out. And then also give Masvidal a kind of a top, a, a big fight, a one last chance to throw himself into the mix at, at welterweight in front of his home city uh, crowd there. So I, I think the matchup was pretty one-sided in Gilbert's favor. Um, I know the first round was relatively close, but the, the last two were definitely his. So definitely a good decision. Um, and I think it puts him in a, a pretty good position with the UFC. They seem to really like him. Um, I think I believe he said he's either on his – that was his last fighter. He's got one more fight left on his deal. He wants to renew. Um, and it sounds like he will be the backup fighter weighing in for Colby Covington versus Leon Edwards um, whenever that fight happens this summer. Okay. 
UFC 287, putting the Israel Adesanya uh, Pereira fight to one side. What fight on that undercard impressed you the most? What was the result that perhaps surprised you the most? Yeah, I mean, I love the fight. Anytime you go into a, an event like this and the fight that everybody kind of has circled as the fight of the night, you know, kind of has a, a, a really fun back and forth sort of amount of exchanges uh, as Rob Font versus Adrian Yanez did last night. I think that was a really big win for Rob Font, a guy that his last two uh, fights he would win about 80% of a round and then get dropped. And it was about 10 rounds in a row that that happened. Uh, really devastating mentally. We talked about the mental side earlier for a guy that was going out and doing all the right things and being technically sound to just have his body not hold up when he got hit. Um, so to go in there and kind of have a slugfest, even if it was three minutes long with a, a power puncher like Adrian Yanez, pick up a really just spectacular knockout. Um, if people haven't seen that fight, take two minutes and 57 seconds out of your day and go check it out because it was a, it was just a really highlight reel uh, finish. And I think it puts him in a good position for uh, a big bantamweight contender fight going forward. Okay, uh, Nolan, one of the debates we're going to have here in New Zealand is we can be a bit conservative. Traditionally in this country, we've been sort of defined by rugby sports, another sport called rugby league, which is a hybrid for Americans. Um, we've got sports like cricket. We've always done well in athletics and sports like rowing. Uh, UFC, it's it's probably maybe by sort of more conservatives over here. A lot of people have described it as sort of legalised prison violence, which is very, very unfair. And maybe Israel Adesanya, it's taken some time for him to get the appreciation that he deserves. But try and put in context for people just how big UFC is, how big Israel Adesanya is globally. Yeah, I think that's that last word you used right there is the key to this um, globally, right? We look at the NBA or we look at the NHL here and in, or the MLB here in, in the United States. And I mean, those just seem like such big things. If anybody can walk down the street with a certain team on their cap and everybody knows exactly, you know, what sport it is and where that city is and everything. And the UFC still doesn't have that here. But when you expand across the entire world, I think that's where it really becomes evident that the UFC is, is such a global phenomenon in MMA in general. Um, just in my four or five years doing this sort of coverage full-time, plus the years that I had done previously doing uh, freelance journalism. I mean, the amount of people in my experience that I've met from all over, all different walks of life, all different countries, all different languages, all different cultures that, that still that center around this one activity, this one, you know, uh, combat sports game is, is really truly incredible. So anytime somebody holds a title in the largest organization in MMA in the, in the UFC, they're known throughout the world where that's not necessarily the case with some of these other sports. And, so I think Israel Adesanya, to, to, to talk specifically about him, he is who I would, if I was a, a young fighter, somebody advising a young fighter, that's who I would want to model my career you know, after. And it's not because he's necessarily the biggest name of all time, but it's because he did stuff the right way. And I think that if every division had a champion like Israel Adesanya, this, the, the UFC would be much better off. I mean, he's unique. He's individual. He's raw. He's real. Sometimes he screws up. Sometimes he's controversial. Sometimes he doesn't put on the best fights, but he's been able to build his brand and he's been able to get people interested. And I think that's, I mean, you know, he's, he's not Conor McGregor. He's not Ronda Rousey. Um, he probably never will be, but if every, every, like I said, if every division had Israel Adesanya, the sport would be better off. Okay. Just via social media, just someone wanting you to tell them what you think his next two fights, who his next two opponents might be. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's an interesting one right now, and I think Israel does a really good job at these press conferences of kind of planting seeds as to uh, fights down the line. And, and he did bring up 
Dricus Duplessis, who is a South African fighter, um, kind of on the, the rise up, who maybe when you watch him, you don't necessarily think, hey, this guy's, you know, he looks kind of rough around the edges. Some of his striking's kind of uncomfortable, but he continues to win. So I don't think that will be Israel's next challenge, but I think that will be maybe the second one on this list. Um, and then the other one, I mean, you obviously, you got Robert Whitaker there. He's fought him twice before. Um, you know, the second fight was particularly close, and I think Robert's just the guy that's forced his forced the UFC's hand. Um, he's sure we've seen that fight twice before, and the series is at two to nothing. But um, I think when you continue to go out there and knock off top contenders, I mean, you leave the UFC with no option to, to book you again. So um, I'm going to say Whitaker, and I'm going to say uh, if Trikas Duplessis wins, whoever he fights next, if he if he wins that fight, that'll be the one after that. Nolan King, thank you for your time today on the program. Greatly appreciated. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, guys.